It's 4 o'clock on Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, going with Adriana Reset and moi. Thank you, fake audience. Thank you, fake band. And I am starting the show out solo because this week we're going to do something I don't think we've ever done before, which is an unboxing of the beautiful, ooh, it's blocking my light and my face, the beautiful Shure MV51 microphone, woo! The nice folks at Shure who are gonna be sponsors of this year's Road Rally sent this little gem over, so I figured, why not give it away on Taxi TV? Let me first open up the chat room. There you guys are. Hello, everybody. Let's see who we've got. Jenna V, Linda Cullum, Anna Yarbrough, Amanda West, Robbie Hancock, Mark Kimley, Peter Rahill, yay Rahill, L. Harrison, Lamont Johnson, Ken DePotter, Robbie Hancock, who else? Sherry Marcus Milano. Hi, Sherry. Um, Bria, I think the air conditioner hit its four o'clock window where it shuts off every day, if you would please. So anyway, this literally just came in the mail. I really got to work out this product shot thing. <laughs> I'm not so good at it. I need Vanna White. Anyway, uh, Sure is going to sponsor the Red Rally, which will be held November 1st through the 4th this year in beautiful Los Angeles. I should go back and look at my notes. I actually wrote out a bunch of stuff for the show. Um, and so Sure is going to be a sponsor for the first time ever. And they said, would you like us to send some product that uh, you guys can test? And they said, why don't we just give it away? So we are. Uh, also want to mention that coming up on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, which is July 11th, mm -hmm. um, we are doing our first ever Taxi Artist Showcase at Kulak's Woodshed at 7 p.m. We're gonna broadcast it live on Taxi TV on the regular YouTube channel. And Tom and Bria picked four artists that are gonna play live and I think we've still got like three or four tickets left. Um, Kulox is really tiny. It holds like 50 people or 45 people or something. Um, and as I've mentioned before, there's a queen size bed in the middle of the room. So if you get there nice and early, uh, but you've got to RSVP at TaxiTV at Taxi.com. You can't just show up because honestly, the fire marshal will not let you in because you know, our live gigs are so big that we get like tens of thousands of people for a room that holds 50. So that's it. Don't miss it. Um, Wednesday night, July 11th, 7 p.m. on Taxi TV on this channel or at Kulox and email TaxiTV at Taxi.com and Bria will let you know if there are any tickets left. So without any further ado, let's open this up. First of all, well, I'm not even going to say first of all because you'll see it when I open it. I don't even know how to do an unboxing. It's got a really nice box. It's white, black printing. You should see when I do makeup tutorials. If you think this is impressive. Okay, so what do we have? Well, first of all, we have the user's guide, which I know nobody's going to read, so why am I even bothering to tell you about it? We've got a warranty. You might need that, although this thing is built like a tank, so I don't think you're going to need it. There's this yellow thing with all kinds of disclaimers. Don't use this microphone around loud music because you could blow your ears out. And here is, ah, the headphone volume thing. Now you might be asking yourself, why does it have a headphone volume thing? 
hate to get all technical about it. But the reason is, is because this little beauty, oh gosh, we're never getting this box back together ever. I mean, seriously, you have to be a PhD to get the box open. <laughs> this is embarrassing. This may be the first unboxing where there's no actual unboxing taking place. <laughs> Bria's like, do you need help? <laughs> yeah, old man, I need help. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, just to show you guys that I'm not a complete idiot. Oh my gosh. Whoever wins this, this is what you're getting in the mail. <laughs> That's what's left of the box. Woo! Uh, Okay. Man, this thing seriously is packaged. You could put a nuclear warhead this thing. It wouldn't open it up. Okay, I'm telling you now, whoever wins this, guess what you're not getting? The plastic that comes on the outside of it. Because the only way to get to it that I can see is to rip the plastic off. There we go. Okay, there it is. Beautiful. It weighs a ton. Um, and I'm not going to take the plastic coating off of this because you should get it in its kind of virginal state. But the cool thing about this, because I read about it online the other day, I do my homework for the big show. Um, it's got five digital modes. First of all, it is an um, electric condenser microphone. So for those of you, everybody has a Sure 57 or 58, I'm sure, no pun intended. Um, but sometimes people forget that they actually make condenser microphones. And so I read a lot about this one. I haven't used it because I wanted to be, you know, like give it to you in a brand new state. But it got like 4.7 stars out of five or something. And um, so what it's got on the front, as you can see, are different modes where you can select a vocal mode, a voiceover mode, or like a, a uh, vlogging mode or a, a podcast mode. There we go. S saying it more precisely. Um, it's got an instrument mode because there's a little guitar in there. I got to get used to this back and forth, left and right thing. So you can change the EQ, the sound of the microphone, just by selecting those things. And you can affect the headphone levels. It gives you a direct headphone feed right out of the microphone so there's no latency. That was my big word for the show right there. Um, but down here, this little doodad lights up so you can adjust your headphone volume by sweeping your finger across there. Do I look like Vanna White? Look at that. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> I'm being really serious. It's got a USB to micro USB cable, which is great if you um, have an Android phone and you're missing your cable, you can borrow the one from your microphone. Or you can loan it to my wife because she's always taking mine. Oh, and looky here, we have a, um, what do they call the connector for um, iPhones? Like a lightning connector? Lightning. lightning? Mm -hmm. Cool, I got something right. It's got a lightning connector. It's got a mic stand adapter, and that's all the cool stuff. So we are going to give this away later in the show. I got to tell you, seriously, if anybody ever breaks into your house, throw this at them. You don't need a gun. <laughs> this thing will stop them dead in their tracks. This thing is so heavy, so solid. This is built like, I think they built the body of this in like 1944. Um, it might, they <laughs> shipped it out to Dwight Eisenhower during World War II. The Germans are coming. 
and uh, it they put all new guts in it to make this incredibly wonderful product. But um, got really good ratings online. I'm sure it is wonderful, and I really do appreciate the folks at Shure being kind enough to send this to us. Here, this box is still intact, so we'll send you that. And I'm putting the instructions that you'll never read back in the box. There we go. A little later in the show, Bria will do a drawing. And oh my gosh. I just... <laughs> I ruined it today. And I've got to wipe my nose. Now, here's the thing about me wiping my nose is yesterday, for the first time since I was like four years old, I had a nosebleed. All of a sudden, I felt something on my face. I looked down. I'd lost like an ounce of blood. I'm not kidding. So I've been deathly afraid to blow my nose ever since this happened. So I'm not going to blow my nose now. I'm just going to dab it. This isn't the side that was the bleeder, but I really thought I was going to get rushed to a hospital because it just came gushing out of me. And of course, the first thing I thought was brain tumor. But I read up all about nosebleeds right after I read up on the MV51. Turns out, I don't have a brain tumor, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, okay, so let's see, do I have any other notes? Nope, I think I've covered everything. So at this stage of the game, I'd like to introduce today's guest, Miss, uh, oh, hold on, I do have other notes. I have Bria kicking me under the table going, hold up the sign, subscribe to our channel. You really need to. Like us. Share us with your grandmother, and you know what? We've got a new trick for you to perform, which is that little bell in the upper right-hand corner of your YouTube page. Click on that. That way you get notifications whenever we want to notify you about stuff via YouTube. So you will never be without a direct line of communication with us. All that said, let me introduce the lovely, the charming, Miss Adriana Lisette. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. I was trying to be a gentleman. You know, <laughs> yesterday I tried to be a gentleman, opened the door for my 17-year-old daughter, and she looked at me like, you pervert. <laughs> what is wrong with being a gentleman with these kids today? No. Seriously. She looked at me like I was doing something wrong. There you are. <laughs> Scoot up and in a little bit. Okay. So, welcome back to the big show. Thank you. And now... Um, she is an official resident of Southern California for the second time in your life? Yes. Right? Because you yeah. lived here years ago. I went to school here. Wow. Um, and in case you missed it on a previous episode, we actually grew up in the same town, but not at the same time because I'm old enough to be your dad. Actually, I might <laughs> be old enough to be your parents' dad. But uh, we did both grow up in a tiny little town in Illinois, so we have this little bond because not that many people come from there or will admit it. No, no, it's actually a very nice town, it wouldn't is. you say? It's beautiful, yeah. Has Which, by the way, I spotted rivers. somebody who lives there. Really? There. Yeah, who? Christina. So. Christina who? Hi. She's Did there she now? Know? Yeah, I just saw her. You know, I Hi should everyone. have worn my pirate shirt. She gave me an Ottawa Pirates the football <laughs> team t-shirt years ago. I should have worn it for the big show. Hi, Christina. Um, New taxi member as well, so they'll be awesome. at the alley. Yeah. Wow, great. Um, well, I'll see you at the Friendship Day Parade. Walt Willie and I will be at the front of the parade. Uh, well, at least Walt Willie. Um, okay, so as you probably noticed, the title of today's show, if I can find it, is Why Are There Fewer Women Than Men Creating Film and TV Music? Now, I don't want you to be confused with the fact 
that I had Audrey on a, on a panel two years ago at the Road Rally. I yeah, think. two years. And that panel was all about getting comfortable with production because originally it was supposed to be about why are not, more women not involved in home studio production. Um, and then we took the whole female factor out of it. Um, because I realized just a lot of people have a tech phobia. But as an adjunct to that, I've realized that a lot of people don't really understand what creating music for film and TV is all about. They think that you've got to wear tails and have a baton or be Hans Zimmer or Beethoven and that uh, they think, I can't do that. But yet I've noticed only because I'm, um, I don't know, not friends on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter. Did I get the terminology right? <laughs> yes, cool, got it. Not bad for an old dude. Um, <laughs> And I've noticed that you've had some signings recently. And so tell mm -hmm. us how you made that transition from acoustic guitar singer songwriter to doing film and TV stuff and mm -hmm. what you're doing in film and TV land. Um, it's really because of Taxi. Um, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask me to say that. I didn't. <laughs> but she gets applause for saying it. <laughs> um, no, it, it's totally because of Taxi. I, I didn't even think that was an option before. So. Um, just hearing about it and at first I did think oh I've got to be Hans Zimmer or you know it's <laughs> like I've got to be understand how to orchestrate a you know full orchestra and um, it, it seemed intimidating at first and then through Taxi TV through um, there's some awesome books um, by taxi members, uh, Dean Crippen's uh, books, his Steve books Barden's books. Um, um, you know what keep talking I'm gonna go sure. grab their books let's give them a, a yeah. legit plug. <laughs> But yeah, through reading those books, um, panels at the rally, um, <clears throat> it just seemed really attainable and really doable. And it was actually a Taxi TV episode um, where Michael was talking about how easily you can use, um, if you're a singer-songwriter, um, you know, obviously if you're creating tracks with a piano or a guitar or whatever your instrumentation is, um, take that, take the instrumental version and use that as inspiration. And I thought, well, yeah, I can do that. Like, the song's already there. So um, I started off doing that and just um, kind of picturing writing a normal kind of acoustic-based song and um, <clears throat> just didn't put lyrics to it. And then I started learning more about the structure and, uh, you know, things like edit points and all of those things um, through those books. Um, okay, so. going to plug the books. <laughs> My lighting is a little off today. That's Demystifying the Cue by Dean Crepain. We love this book. And I'm not just saying this because I consider Dean a very good friend. Um, some might even say a close friend. Some might even say his wife is a little troubled by our relationship. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but this book, seriously, this book and Demystifying the Genre, the follow-up, um, are, are just phenomenal books. Um, everybody who is doing um, instrumental music especially should have these guys. And writing production music for TV uh, by, <laughs> very good, uh, by Steve Barden, who's also a taxi member. I'm not plugging any of these books because I make a penny or because they are friends or because they're taxi members, seriously. I believe in these books so strongly that if you buy them and you don't think they're worth every penny you spent, hit me up and I will refund your money for the books. Not kidding. They're that good. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but had to get the plugs in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
yeah, so um, kind of started from there. Um, and just starting off simply, not being intimidated, um, talking to people through taxi. Uh, those relationships have been awesome and, and encouraging. I think, I think Dean's given me some pointers on things and um, <clears throat> even uh, I've, I've done a couple songs where, so recently I got, um, I think it was like 10 or 11 um, songs signed to a library and I was like, yay, you know, signing the contracts. And then I get a message from the library. Did you actually say yay? Yay, just <laughs> like that. <laughs> Probably, actually. Uh, um, so good. then I got a message that, um, oh, we need these alt versions, too. Like, we need, like, a 30-second version, a 60, whatever it was. And I thought, okay, these are these are organic, acoustic guitar with, like, the edit points don't match. Those, right. Those t- like, what do I do? And I was like panicked and so thank god for taxi because i knew who to call i called ck um because i'm in logic and she is awesome at logic and that's ck she, um, barlow one of our great yes. members and she pretty much saved my life and helped me learn how to do these alt versions and edit everything and um it was amazing like i got to the point if the first one i was like this is terrible i don't know what i'm doing i probably cried a little and then by like the fourth song i'm like I love doing this. It's like a puzzle. Like I enjoyed the challenge. Um, so yeah, it's it's taxi was really what introduced me to the fact that I can do this. And then also it, it connected me with the people and the resources that helped me to just grow and get better at it. So it's kind of a story. Um, you know, somebody years ago told me when I was learning how to cut quarter-inch tape and do edits, and he finally got so impatient with me, he said, you can always put it back together. <laughs> and I went, oh, that was a revelation. Yeah. And, you know, doing it digitally, I mean, everything is non-destructive and mm-hmm. it's easy. So, yeah, there, in my opinion, there's nothing to fear because yeah. you can make as many mistakes as you want and eventually you'll mm-hmm. figure out the puzzle. Yeah, It's like a Rubik's Cube, but it's solvable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in Logic, it's really awesome. She, I think, I think it was CK that taught me this. That there's there's a whole option where you open up a brand new session. You can do whatever you want and still keep your first session. So it's not even like you have to go back and change anything. So I could mess up as much as I needed to mess up before I learned, and it was great. How? Um, just because I've never, uh, I'm so old, I've not done digital stuff. Everything I know is in the analog world and with razor blades and tape. Um, how did you deal with like, uh, you know, a sustained note on a ring out on an acoustic guitar and doing edits? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, like your fade tool is your best friend. Um, just going in and like just learning how to kind of work with the actual frequency range and, and change things up. I mean, I still try and find a break and an edit point to work right. with, um, but there were a few times where like the the fade just, it just sounded like it cut off, yeah. you know? And so I had to learn how to just actually change like your, your So you could take and, a, you could take the sustain of a chord and, and mm-hmm. get it out sooner than it would have on its own so that you could do the edit? Yeah, I mean, it's, you have to fiddle with it. Actually, sometimes I had to mess more with the the front end to kind of scoot it, you know, to wow. where it needed to be. Yeah. Because obviously it's easier to fade something and extend it than it is to like shorten it. Right. Um, it it was like a puzzle, like <laughs> kind of case by case, you know, 
And now do you write any differently when you create because you're thinking Absolutely. in advance, oh, I'm going to have yes. to do cut downs on this? It saves me so much work. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to do that to make it work. So, yeah. And, and like the books we mentioned, they, they talk about the, the kind of standard um, where you want to try and have your, your edit points or break points or whatever it's called. And um, yeah, so now I, I definitely write with that in mind. You can create templates. So like I'll start a, a logic session and I've got it all marked up on my on my um, computer where I'm playing the guitar and a lot of times I make it up on the spot. Um, and so I'll see, okay, I'm getting up to that 30 second point and I'll kind of prepare for that and make sure there's a little bit of a break. Um, obviously it's easier if you're doing something like MIDI, um, keyboard yeah. based. I don't know why I don't just do that, but <laughs> I love playing the guitar. so. Um, but yeah, the template thing has changed my life and made it a lot easier to do things quickly and just a higher volume. So what's so. the general nature of most of the... How long have you been doing instrumental cues, first of all? Has it been a matter of weeks or months? Uh, months. And yeah. I'm, I would guess it's a fair question. You've kind of alluded to it already that you kind of gravitated towards acoustic guitar-based stuff because that's your main instrument that you're mm -hmm. comfortable with. And you were smart to start with, you know, rather than... Um, you know, trying to do a bunch of MIDI stuff that you may not be as comfortable with, starting with what you know mm -hmm. and learning how to build from there. So what was your inspiration for the first cue? Did you sit down and go, hmm, I think I'll write something that's, you know, dreamy or something sad or something introspective. How did you, what was your jumping off point? Um, it was, was realizing, hearing it on TV. Like oh really? Hearing different things in movies or like, um, like the reality shows, like the House Hunters and stuff like that. It's like so easy. Like it's a, I could totally play this. You know, you just hear like a simple strum, <laughs> and it's like they're making money off of something that I just do while I'm watching TV. Just, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow, I could do this. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the jumping off point. And then I grew up. Um, my parents were pastors, and so. Um, during like the little greeting time where people say hello and you know the music is done and then the sermon's getting ready to start um, I would always be up on stage and they just needed like filler music yeah and so I'd always you know play either the piano or the guitar and just kind of strum along and you know do something kind of chill and follow kind of the the groove of what people are doing and then when I saw people were being seated I would kind of find a, a natural way to end I've done that my whole life and wow, didn't so really... Wow, so your parents actually didn't have to invest in a music library. They just had a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just so much easier. Just have kids I'll do it. Saves you money. <laughs> well, yes and no. Yeah, <laughs> Let's be real. I just saw one of those shows the other day that explained how much money it costs to raise a kid. I think... Um, well, no, never mind. I don't want to get into <laughs> stuff that could go political, but it makes a pretty strong case for not having kids. Just saying. But that's all right. All four of ours are now grown and... <laughs> We only have two more weddings to pay for. Um, so what was the first cue? Oh, gosh. Um, it was, I wonder if it's the one that I was going to share today. It was a very simple, kind of strummy, picky thing. Um, and I think if it's, I think it's either that one or like the second or third one that I did actually got placed. Wow. Um, which was really cool. Um, but it was very simple, like, trying to think of the feel of it. It was just really relaxing. 
yeah. relaxing kind of Does, like picking. open chord strums like brown kind of stuff um, no you know what it was more picking <laughs> oh, okay um, you're pretty good if I remember correctly finger picking comes pretty it's, uh, yeah. you've done it enough that you're comfortable with mm-hmm. it um, do you what kind of show did it get the placement on? Um, it was I never saw the placement itself. It was some kind of like corporate, like instructional. Oh, really? Kind of thing. <laughs> it's like the the music playing in the background. Um, yeah. So yeah, that actually like paid for my second rally. So yeah. wow, <laughs> that's, that's cool. cool. Um, yeah, and then I thought, man, I've been like working so hard on these singer-songwriter songs and lyrics and toiling over it, and this thing I did in like an hour, and that's what gets placed. Like I was almost like seriously, but it was it was cool. I love the fact that you brought that up because you know I'm a big fan. People join Taxi, and one of the mistakes that they frequently make is taking a CD, an album that they've maybe spent you know, a year writing and another year recording and they take their life savings and spend it on this project and their heart and soul are poured into it. And then they go to disc makers and they press up 500 or a thousand copies and they don't sell most of them because they had no marketing plan and no marketing budget. And then they join Taxi in a move of desperation. Well, maybe I can get the stuff placed in film and TV, but the problem is that now they're pitching square pegs for round holes. And I tell them when you know we get the email from them, I don't like your company because there aren't enough opportunities for the kind of music I do. And um, I say, gee, you should try instrumentals. And, and I know that they think I'm like trying to manipulate them or suggesting something that's beneath <laughs> them or just something hinky about what I'm suggesting, but it is easier mm-hmm. and it does make yeah. money. And you know what? It's, you've probably heard me say this at the road rally. You can, and please, uh, the um, classical music guy, please don't send me another email about this, but it is like, Painting houses by day, that could be your nine to five day job, is making what I affectionately call and respectfully um, stupid little (laughs) instrumental cues. And then make your record at night. Do the work that comes from Mm -hmm. your soul at night. And there's no time pressure. There's no financial pressure. Mm -hmm. It can support you. Yeah, well, you've talked to me and given me the advice about just, it's like any any business, because it's the music business. So, you know, accept that it's business or just do it for the art. And you've talked about diversifying yeah. musically. And so I'm, I still love writing songs. I'm getting back into that um, pretty heavily uh, this fall. Um, but diversify. It's so fun seeing your ASCAP statement or your, your PRO um, statements grow just with these little things that you know didn't take a lot of time. Um, but then that residual income, it's, it's a huge blessing. It's awesome. And, and there's satisfaction in knowing that like, you can do it. It's it's really, really great, wise thing to do as far as I'm concerned. I love getting emails from people that just got their first check. Even (laughs) if it's 57 cents or $22 (laughs) and a penny, it's just that acknowledgement that you deserve to get paid for something you Mm -hmm. created. That's, I I think, is a life goal a lot of people have. And the amount of money for that first check just doesn't matter. It doesn't. it's, It's You're more excited about that, like five dollars then like when you make a thousand because it's like yes like it's validating it's really yeah. validating it's the v word i love that word <laughs> um oh my next question uh 
were the cues that you did, have you done most of the instrumental cues on your own? Have you collaborated on any of them? What's the, the backstory mm -hmm. on that stuff? Um, I don't know if I've, I maybe collaborated on one. Um, everything else has been on my own. And with songs, it's been probably the opposite. I've collaborated more on, when, when I say songs, I mean uh, lyrics and uh, like vocal parts. Um, but yeah, instrumentals have been all me just kind of in my spare time or even when my brain is just really tired from trying to write lyrics um, but I still want to be in the studio and be disciplined and do something I'll grab the guitar do a cue so um, yeah I think I've done one acoustic guitar instrumental um, with Albie actually oh really so, um, I did like the bass you know just um, finger picking and some strums and then he added some ambient stuff to it. So, um, yeah. Has Albie ever been to, I don't think he's ever actually been a taxi member. I could be wrong about that. I know I that know. Lance Gale, who he partners with on a lot of stuff, has been a taxi member. We've got to get mm -hmm. Albie out to the rally one year. I think he's planning on it. Yeah? This fall. yeah. He's another guy from our hometown. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember if I've ever met him or not, but I feel like I know him because of the connection through you and through Lance Gale. And, mm -hmm. We've eaten at the same pizza shops. And, <laughs> well, I'm a taxi member because of him. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. Uh, you met him. He was your instructor or something at, at a college course you took, if I remember? No. Or um, something, or... When I was in junior high, high school, I recorded my first album. Um, I had gone to a show, like a local show. He had a band that was playing, and um, I was looking for a new guitar at that point, and I really liked his guitar. So I just, <laughs> like, after the show, hey, can I, like talk to you about your guitar and then so I ended up playing a song that I wrote and he's like you should record this do you do you record stuff and so then that turned into a full-length album and then we became just friends and he's been a mentor ever since so the young lady sitting at our front desk here at taxi mm -hmm. is from Illinois I well. only hire people from Illinois just in case <laughs> anybody's thinking about applying I well okay occasionally Indiana I'm sorry um, but you've got to be a Midwestern you have to appreciate uh, coin, uh, corn and soybeans um, lots of them and uh, the young lady sitting at the front desk had Albie as an instructor really? for a college level course she took Wow, so small world. it is a small world um, so can you pin down a genre? I mean, obviously the majority of the stuff you're doing, maybe all of it is acoustic guitar based, mm -hmm. um, but do you, are, are there like subgenres within there that you do or that you favor? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of, I've been in this transitional period with moving and just adjusting and I've got my little one at home 24 seven until school starts. <laughs> so it's, how I've old been, is she now? She's five. Just wow. turned five. Yeah. So, um, I kind of I took kind of a long break. I'd say what like three month break, um, where I've been playing a lot of guitar just to continue to practice. And um, but I've been immersing myself a lot in pop music. And I didn't think you smoked weed. <laughs> oh, you said pop. Sorry. Pop. P O P. <laughs> My parents are gonna watch this and be like. What? Um, That's all right. We know she meant soda because <laughs> all Midwesterners call soda pop. pop. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, fact, I, I have to get used to that out here. Just call yeah. it soda or get made fun of. I know. When people, right. If you say the word pop, people look at you <laughs> like, what? That's why. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. The question? We um, um, I don't oh, genres. Mean Subgenres. Yes. Yeah. So um, I've been immersing myself in pop a lot, and I've done a, a lot of collaborate, not a lot, but a few collaborations 
more recently where I'm doing more of like a top lining role. So uh, somebody sends me a track and it's more pop based um, and I'm working on lyrics and melody for it. So that's been super fun and there's no acoustic guitar at all in wow. the mix of that. Um, and I just like it because it's, it's a new challenge. It's something different and it's something I enjoy listening to. I've just never tried myself. So um, yeah, pop. I love listening to country, but I haven't done any country yet. So, I want to give a shout out to Amanda West, who I think uh, was in the yeah. chat room. I've got to say, I've known Amanda really largely through the chat room over the years. And I met her at a rally in 2016, I believe. Uh, but it's like a third or fourth time recently that I've heard a song that I think it was on episode of Taxi TV maybe two or three weeks ago where she was the lyricist on it. and. I'm probably guilty of not paying enough attention to people who just write lyrics. I should get in the frame, shouldn't I? <laughs> and uh, I know that that's Amanda's specialty, is just doing lyrics. I was really impressed. Just want to let you know that that song I heard a couple episodes ago, uh, maybe it's one that you guys did uh, um, while I was out of town. Oh, that was in my notes. I didn't say anything. I want to give a big <laughs> shout out to Bria and Tom for covering for me last week when I was out of town. They did a great job and they look like they have more fun than I do when I'm doing the show, so I was a little <laughs> jealous. But anyway, Amanda, um, good job on the lyrics. Great job on the lyrics. I just wanted to say that. Um, so what's your process uh, when you sit down to create a cue? Do you wait for the muse to show up and vibe you out and go, oh, today I'm going to do something slow and introspective? Or do you look at taxi listings? Do you um, look at briefs from libraries or whatever? Do you write with a purpose or do you write with the muse? Um, a little of everything that yeah. you just said. Um, it's not super consistent. Um, I think it just depends on the season of life that I'm in. Um, sometimes I'm working really hard on things with lyrics and I just get tired at the end of the night, but I still can't switch my brain off enough <laughs> to go to bed. And so uh, just to kind of bring it down, um, I'll just do a cue. Um, sometimes it's just an idea because I don't want to go through the process of making sure everything is perfect sounding and um, I'll just kind of get an idea down and then go back to it later. Um, sometimes it's uh, actually a lot of times it's I've been watching something on like Netflix or something even if it's a kid's joke because I'm with my daughter. Um, I'll hear something that's acoustic based and be like oh I can try something like that and get that vibe. Um, and then I kind of channel my my church church girl and picture, you know, what would I play if people are hanging out and I'm playing in the background and I'll just do something like that. I use my hands a lot. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so, it makes the yeah. show more interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, it just it kind of depends. And taxi listings are amazing for staying focused because sometimes I can be a little too like, I don't know. And, um, so I'll look at the, like an instrumental listing um, even if it's for a different instrument, but I'll just say, okay, let me try and do something with that vibe. Um, a, a new challenge that I'm giving myself is everything I write is usually on the slower end, um, and everyone always wants up-tempo. So, right. um, so <laughs> That's I, rule number wanna... <laughs> one in the industry. It always takes people like five yeah, years to figure songs, that out. Songs, anything, like up-tempo. Um, there, there's always a need for up-tempo stuff. So, um, yeah, that's my new challenge is just, up-tempo, happy, <laughs> not brooding and sad, but... Yeah, well, that's because probably 80% of the shows... Well, let's exclude, like, 
you know, cop shows or army shows, you know, stuff that's um, violent, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But yeah, most, um, a lot of TV is more uplifting. Of course, you do have um, reality shows, which can't really describe exactly what they are. Um, not speaking to you directly, Kardashians. <laughs> but, uh, I never know. Are they funny or depressing? Because there's <laughs> plenty of both. But yeah, you're right. Up tempo is definitely, it's an easier sell. Mm -hmm. So you might as well invest the effort in stuff that has more commercial value. Mm -hmm. In Nashville, um, virtually every single time anybody in Nashville has let us run a listing for them, it's up tempo. And they'll say with the caveat, if you hear a one in a million ballad, we'll listen to it, but we want tempo. Why yeah. do they want tempo? Because radio plays up-tempo stuff. Mm -hmm. um, on a scale of one to 10, um, with one being, I only know how to plug this gear into the AC outlet, and 10 being, I'm a whiz at it, mm -hmm. where do you feel like you're at? Um, with like just the technical aspect? Yeah. Um, I'd say, for for what I do, it's more kind of acoustic based or that kind of thing. I'd say a seven. Okay. Um, yeah. And I remember, I think it was maybe on the panel at the road rally. You mentioned that you spent a lot of time watching a video series somewhere that you were very fond of. I think it was you that mentioned it, and I can never, mm -hmm. for the life of me, remember it. Do you remember what um, I'm talking about? It's probably the is it Mac Pro videos? That sounds about right. Yeah, those are amazing. You have to pay um, for that's a membership. Right. Quality is worth it. Yeah, it's that's the thing is the quality and the consistency. They have different um, professors or instructors, um, and if there's a certain instructor that explains things in a way that you really connect with, you can just follow that instructor, or you can search by topic. Um, there's classes for everything, like um, Logic, Ableton, Pro Tools, like any any kind of software. Um, or you can search and learn about um, tracking vocals or compression or comping or whatever. Like it's a lot of options, and it's the interface is really nice um, and digestible. But I've also done the free YouTube video Google search thing too. So um, yeah, I, I've <laughs> always found there's a lot of really good stuff on YouTube. Um, look, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an approach. And sometimes I see videos that are really well done where I think that the person teaching is so over the heads of the people he or she is teaching mm -hmm. that they haven't really thought about their audience, <clears throat> but they're good teachers. But finding a place that kind of aggregates content like this is 101, yeah. this is 102, mm -hmm. this is 201 and 202, that has value and that's worth mm -hmm. paying for if it steps you through the process yeah. rather than bouncing around all over the place. Um, let's listen to a piece of music. Do you want to recommend one to sure. Bria and give us a little backstory on it? Um, should we do an instrumental since that's what we've been sure. talking about? Did you plug in? You did? Yeah. Okay. Um, trying to remember what the instrumentals were. <laughs> oh Don't forget to remember Happy in a Small Town and Skipping Stones. Okay, um, let's do Happy. And not yet, because for some reason, while I was on vacation, this thing turned itself off. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it was me. Now, sometimes it just does that. It's weird. I okay, see a question we... here of how long I've spent learning. Yeah. Um, I'd say I've been doing this, just actually recording for, 
what'd you say, five years? Yeah. Kind of, since I've been a taxi member, I've been more proactive with it. Um, but it's been like this kind of, since I've been in high school, I've been interested in the tech side. So even when I had somebody record my album in high school, I would sit next to the producer and just watch and learn. And I, I learned Pro Tools by watching. Um, and then there's just seasons of life. Like I, I got married and I had a baby and um, the learning kind of takes, you know, a backseat for a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard. It's not like four years. It's just been like a long <laughs> process of different seasons of learning where some seasons are more intense and intentional. And then, um, yeah, just, I know that doesn't really answer it, but. Well, it does because you know, maybe you learned 18 months worth of stuff over four or five years because mm -hmm. of the seasons of life, as you say, which is actually a really good song title. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. And, and so your daughter's five. Um, mm -hmm. So you've been a stay-at-home mom rearing your child. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's got kids knows that moms work incredibly hard and it's not like, hey, you know, go watch TV and, and don't play with any sharp objects for the next five hours because mommy's got a cue to record. Oh that reminds me, when when I had, she was probably one, one and a half. Uh, we were living with family at that point because we had just moved from Montana back to Indiana and life was crazy and I was working on this uh, collaboration with somebody and I was just saying hey I've got to you got to give me a week to get this next part done and we didn't have a deadline so it was fine but it was suggested that um, you know I just get one of those little seat things you know where they can sit and play and and then I can sit and write and I just I had to laugh because I'm like do you remember you have kids like do you remember the kids not going to be content for an hour and let me focus so that was funny but Our <laughs> 37-year-old daughter had her first <laughs> kid about three years ago, and uh, she had this thing that looked like an egg, and you put your kid into it. There's no mm -hmm. top of the egg, but it's like if you took an egg and lay, I don't even know what it's called, but you put your kid in there, and it kind of, and rather than just going up and down or back and forth, it's kind of like one of these, and I thought, okay, that's <laughs> got to perfectly simulate you know, the motion. I can't even mm -hmm. do it, but every mom <laughs> in the world can do the the you know, one foot to the other foot yep. bounce that dads generally can't do as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought this thing would be great. And she said, nope, their kid tried it like twice. And said, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> so nothing that's works. Funny. Yeah. But do you remember what they call those things? I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. right? It, it, mm -hmm. It's like a cupped hand that your child fits yeah. into. And it just kind of does this irregularly swooping mm -hmm. womb-like thing. <laughs> Uh, except you don't pour water on your kid or anything. Uh, all right, so what's this called? Um, I think this one was called Happy in a Small Town. Okay. So it's just an acoustic guitar cue. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
That was awesome. Um, not only does the title, it sounds like what the title describes, which you know I'm a big, big fan of. If you're an editor working on a reality show or a TV drama or whatever, and you're looking for a scene where somebody gets off the bus and they're coming back, you know, after being in the service or going to college or running away from home or whatever they did, and they're walking, through, you know, they get off the bus and they walk through like the town square. This is what you would hear. They're happy to be back in their small town. So great job on that. And I was also really happy to hear that you nailed all the like arrangement stuff that kind of differentiates a cue from an instrumental. An instrumental would be a song that doesn't have a vocal or a lyric, whereas an instrumental cue is basically an A section from top to bottom, maybe a B section thrown in, which is kind of like a bridge, but you very um, delicately and effectively wove, wove in, yeah, wove in other parts that were subtle. Nothing that made you go, oh, what was that? but they slightly altered the mood from I'm happy to be here and wow, now I'm even happier to be here. And all that stuff worked. <laughs> um, so great job on that. It was really pretty and really effective. Thanks. Somebody uh, asked if I use a click. I did for that um, because I, I want to say it's three guitar tracks. I think it's three. That's kind of my go-to thing that I do. Um, so I'll do like... Um, hard left and right panning um, so I'll do, usually it's like a strum strumming part um, and then I'll capo and find some like a different voicing in the same key and try and mimic exactly the same strumming part and then I pan those and then I'll do something in the center um, just to give it a, a nice full sound which so. by the way I want to compliment uh, being a retired old engineer and acoustic guitar and drums are my favorite things to record the immediate reaction I had when that started playing was great acoustic sound. So tell us about what microphone you used, your miking technique. Um, did you have Jake build a $100,000 studio within a, a room for you? Mm -hmm. um, that explains why he's got holes in his jeans because he couldn't <laughs> afford to buy real pants after he paid for that studio. Now, but tell us about what you actually did. Microphones are covered in gold. <laughs> no, I, I laugh when you ask that question because I hope that this will encourage everyone that part of my journey and just my life experience is um, finances have not been abundant. Um, and it doesn't have to be to do this, which is so awesome. Um, I think when I started, I had an Audio-Technica condenser mic that was like a $70 uh, microphone. And Did it I, look like that one? Pretty, yeah, <laughs> it might actually be. It wasn't a USB, uh, but yeah, it looks very yeah. similar. <laughs> and they sound great. Yeah, they do. I mean, I've gotten stuff placed and done collaborations with like vocals too on a really inexpensive mic and yeah people wouldn't even believe it um, but yeah I've, I've used that and then um, I got a gauge microphone um, after talking to Shirelli at Rally um, I think it's the ECM 87 that sounds right um, I love it love it love it I've used it like I don't even Feel like I need a different Another mic <laughs> right now. Um, I, I've always been shy about plugging it too much because up until a year ago, Rob Shirelli, who's like a brother to me, owned this company called Gauge Microphones or mm -hmm. Gauge Precision Audio. Gauge 
precision audio. Anyway, mm -hmm. they make a, a microphone which they used to sell for like 150 bucks. That was it. Actually, in many instances, sounds better than like a three thousand dollar Neumann. It, it's just freakishly good. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been using. Um, and I know there's different mic techniques, and I'll just say for, put things in context when you're getting advice on like tech stuff, put it in context, ask yourself, what does this person do? What genre are they in? What kind of music? Um, because like what I do, I would not recommend if you're doing pop or country. It's a different kind of guitar sound that you might need. Um, a lot of what I do is very organic sounding. You know, it's okay to hear a, a finger noise once in a while, um, but I love to just take my mic and put it around the 12th fret. Um, a lot of people assume you should put it down by like the, the sound hole, um, but that kind of makes it an EQing nightmare. Yeah, it gets boomy so, down there. Yeah, so I put it around like that 12th fret area, um, probably, I don't know, four inches, three inches away, um, and I just use the one mic, so I know I talked about that last time, but it's really really simple and it's more it's so much easier it's kind of like with what we were talking about earlier um, I can learn how to edit a, a song and do like the 30 60 second you know versions uh, it's a lot easier if from the front end as a composer I just make those spaces and so it's the same with um, mixing a, a cue or something um, if the mic placement is good, you won't have to do a lot of work, you know, afterwards to fix any boominess or muddiness or whatever. So um, I really like simple, you know. Luke, you've learned well. <laughs> I don't plug I, my guitar in oh, directly. No, I shouldn't have done that in the Darth Vader voice. I should have done that in the, who's a little short dude. Yeah, yeah I mean, what you're saying is, is common sense for anybody who's done it for a little while. But for those who haven't done it, it mm -hmm. it's like a revelation. And, and you can make a laundry list of those concepts, but it won't make sense until you do it. You've got to mm -hmm. break some eggs to make an omelet, as yeah. they say. And I, I wish more people talked about this. This is advice I've gotten from Taxi, from classes at Rally. Um, a lot of times, simple is better. And I think when you're first learning the tech, it's really it can be intimidating um, because you hear about people doing all these fancy, you know, <laughs> right, intricate yeah. ways of recording acoustic guitar. And yeah, if you're doing, if you're recording a virtuoso classical or a flamenco style, yeah, you probably want to do some different techniques, but it doesn't have to be super complicated. Start simple. And then if you want to try other stuff, go for it. You know, I, I want to keep learning. I want to, uh, you know, up my game and mixing and I want to be able to record a full band, um, which, you know, haven't done yet so it's not that hard yeah I mean, people make it sound hard but it's really not <laughs> yeah. just to be honest so. um yeah. i remember earlier uh, before the show you talked about um staying encouraged and that's mm -hmm. so much of the game because i see so many people give up at the first speed bump or the first brick wall any kind of obstacle and they go okay i'm out what have you done to stay encouraged um yeah, it's so so many things, and I'm, I'm again, I'm so grateful for Taxi and this community. And I'm not also paying the... her for any of this, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> and and just also my my hometown, um, 
music is not a huge it's more about you know the the football team and sports and Go I was Pirates. always like I was called a band nerd you know because it's like <laughs> I just wasn't part of the cool group because I was a musician and um but I was able to find a community of musicians um that were just they're still friends to this day so um well first of all so I'll, I'll stay on point here um, I never do. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> I have like little bullet points. But okay. Oh. Um, but the first thing, and I've heard this so much, and I used to kind of roll my eyes at it, um, but it's enjoy the process and understand that it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And these are all things that are direct quotes from people at the rally. Um, and, you know, I, I've gone through points in life where things are just hard and discouraging and I want to work and I don't have the time or I, my computer died and I don't have the money and, you know, you, you get discouraged. Um, and then I'd hear people say stuff like that and I just, seriously, like, this part of the journey is not fun. Like, I'm not going to enjoy this. There's nothing enjoyable about this. Um, but I, I really started to shift my mindset because I started observing successful people, people that I would consider successful. And it was more about their attitude. Um, and there's just a, a positivity, um, even in the midst of difficult times and things come up, it's life, you know, and when you have families and just career things, it's stuff happens. But it's really funny that two things that encouraged me are from super random sources. But one thing is, um, I read a book by Tina Fey, and it's so random. I was in a bookstore one day, and it was like one of her books in the clearance area, and I don't know why I was compelled to pick up this book, but I got it, and I read her just her story about her career. And there's one point in the book where she talks about the time, I think it's when she was writing for the show 30 Rock, which is hilarious to me. Um, but she was talking about this time where they had a little apartment. She had, a, I think it was her newborn baby, and um, super, super hard work, just up till all hours of the night. She had her writing staff all crammed in her living room and they'd pass out, you know, when they just worked hard enough. And, and she said, it was so hard. I was exhausted. I was a new mom. I had all these pressures. I was scared of failing. And, but then she talks about how she looks back and she said, that was the most beautiful, like one of my favorite times in my life because my daughter was a few feet away from me, sleeping in the other room, peacefully. And that little egg thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for her. Um, and my husband was there. He was composing the, you know, the music. And everything I loved was in this tiny little apartment. It was so close to me. And it was incredible. And she said, exhausting, yes. But I look back, and that was probably the happiest time of my life because she said now I have the money I have the success I have the fame but I'm always on an airplane and I miss my family and and so she was talking about that and it made a huge impact on me because I thought wow like I don't want to take for granted what I'm living right now um, I want to enjoy the moment and it, it started clicking oh that marathon thing mm -hmm. you know even with the difficulties um, you can enjoy the process and then there's another I don't know what it is about comedians, but um, um, there's a the show The Office, which is one of my favorites. Um, there's a quote, and I think one of the last episodes where one of the characters, Andy, um, he talks about, um, he said, I wish there was a way to know 
that you're in the good old days uh, when you're still in them. And I thought, wow, I, I want to live my life like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I actually I'm better now, but I, I used to, if when I first started as a taxi member, I get so discouraged because I would see where I want to be and then where I am. And, you know, I thought, man, I don't, I don't have like the money or the fancy studio or I'm not in a music town and, you know, all these different things or I don't have the time or I'm exhausted, you know, and um, just all of those things. But my, my mindset has changed now where I'm like, you know, yeah, my, my daughter woke up in the middle of the night and I'm tired or I'm still trying to work in the studio and now I've got to go and it's like, but that's okay. I love that she's here and she needs me. I love that. You know, and just changing your attitude has, it, it really has encouraged me um, to view things differently. And even when like really bad stuff happens, it's an opportunity, an opportunity to grow, you know, and, and learn and then help somebody else who's going through the same thing. Um, you know, I feel like I'm so grateful. I've been having incredible conversations lately with um, especially female um, composers or other artists and we're all struggling with the same stuff so it's like why I don't know why we think that um, even successful people have not had to struggle um, uh, are you saying that the female composers are is there a difference and I don't mean this to sound sexist in any way shape or mm -hmm. form but do women have to deal with different struggles than men on the same trajectory I think, I think, yeah, there's definite differences. There's also, I mean, everybody understands struggle and discouragement. Um, Not me. I've had everything handed to me my whole life. <laughs> Super just, easy. Just saying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's distinct differences. Um, you know, I've, I've become friends with, like, people like Anna. Hi, Anna, Anna if you're there. Yeah, she's in the chat room. <laughs> um, and there's been different things that have come up just as a female where I, I'll, I'll send her a message and say, how would you handle this as a female? Because it, it is more of a, you know, guys couldn't relate to having to deal with a situation or something. Um, so yeah, there's things. And when you're a mother, you know, that's that's a whole different dynamic, especially if you're, your spouse is the one that's working and you're at home or, um, there's definite differences, but I think there's, we can all relate to the, the core principles as well, so yeah. I'm still loving the fact that you played like interstitial music for your parents' services. That um, I have a, an old dear friend named Richie Becker who ended. Up, I worked with him in New York like thirty some years ago, but he ended up being the live fly music in flying cues in live during uh, sports broadcast for Fox. Oh, cool. So he had to know the library well enough and be thinking, okay, somebody's going to get a touchdown here in a couple of plays and have the touchdown music ready to go and fly nice. it in live. You had to do that as a young <laughs> lady on acoustic guitar. Yeah. You had to be able to interpret the, you know, the body language of the audience mm -hmm. and where your parents were going with the sermons and stuff. That's mm -hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah. Great training. It was, it was fun. Like my dad would get up and kind of get really preachy and passionate and so I would like you know up the intensity <laughs> of the guitar and like really help you know build it and then he'd like quiet down and I'd have to bring it down and, you know <laughs> wow how old were you it. when you started doing that um 13 wow yeah. yeah pretty cool training so yeah and a, a random random story <laughs> but I learned um to play guitar primarily from listening to my dad's old records um like actual album, you know, records, LP. And um, so a lot of the songs I knew were like 
um, you know, dust in the wind and stuff like that. So I used to kind of play a joke on my mom because she knew those songs, but she was like, you need to be reverent. But I would try and sneak in little bits of like (laughs) dust in the wind or, you know, an eagle song or something, you know, during the offering time. Yeah. Nothing wrong with sneaking in little eagles whenever you can. It's good stuff. How cool is it that Glenn Fry's son is now in the band? Yeah. Every that's time really I see cool. a picture of him, or actually they had a video of the first concert he played with the Eagles, you know, maybe a couple of years after his dad passed away and they went mm-hmm. on a tour. First they did a couple, like one big gig to kind of road test the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm t- I was sitting there wiping tears, uh, just thinking, man, I hope his dad is looking down watching this moment because yeah. he looks so much like his dad. Mm-hmm. And it, it was almost like they took... 25-year-old Glenn brought him back and plugged him back mm-hmm. into the band, so yay, good yeah. for him. I always wondered like what that was like for him the first time he played with him. Yeah, like, how did he not like break down and cry? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, props to him for not losing it and, <laughs> and just, it, it was awesome. It, it was literally made the hair on my arms. I remember I held up my arm and went, wow, my hair is actually standing up <laughs> on my arm because I really don't have much else to do with my time but stare <laughs> at my hairy arms. Um, Okay, I want to uh, shift gears for a minute and talk about the road rally because mm-hmm. you've been to two or three, I think. Or? Three? Yeah. So been four. Four? Wow. Yeah. So I want to address this because a lot of people hear about the road rally. We're four months away, a little under four months away, and we're working hard on our end to make it better. Every year we try and make it like, you know, five, ten percent, maybe even 15 percent better than the previous year, and I think we do that. But people stay at home on the couch thinking, ah, it's a plane flight. I'm going to meet a bunch of strangers. The place is going to be just like, you know, 2,500 people all over the place. How am I going to stand out? Or what if I do stand out? Then I'm going to feel awkward. What's it like for a first time? Or what were your preconceived notions and fears? And how did you move past that stuff when you got there? Um, I'm extremely introverted. Uh, I... In fact, my parents didn't even know what my voice sounded like, like my singing voice, um, until I was probably 13 or 14 years old. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say I was so shy. My parents didn't know I was born, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, I just hid in the corner. Um, In the little egg thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was so, so, so shy. you know, public speaking was terrifying. I was scared to like, you know, even at family reunions when people would walk up and, oh, how you doing? I was just like, mm, I'm hi. scared to death. <laughs> you know, like really shy, really introverted. Um, music is really the only thing that has gotten me out of my shell just because I love it so much that I don't even care anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, I would go to like music stores and chat with strangers because we're playing guitar and there's common ground and I'm not as intimidated. Um, but yeah, I was terrified my first rally, but I wanted so badly to succeed and I wanted to grow and I wanted connections just with friendships just to help me stay encouraged. I, I went out of desperation, really, because wow. normally it wasn't something that I would ever do. Um, I remember sitting in the hotel room the, that morning um, before going down to the registration line and, you know, just like getting ready and like my heart was racing just to go downstairs because I didn't know I can tell who you I was going to meet. She yeah. was bringing some of these bad boys. <laughs> I was buzzed on Rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like like in college where there we had like a cafeteria 
um, I would not eat if I didn't know that there was somebody there that I could sit down with. Like the idea of going into a room and not knowing somebody just terrified me. And so, you know, it was this, this huge leap of faith and just I, I needed to be brave. And, you know, for the extroverts, they're like, what? <laughs> but um, it was a big deal for me. So how'd you get over um, it? Well, I, I remember going down the steps and standing where I thought the line was. I went way too early, which is how I met you, I think. Oh, that's right. You were um, at the very front of the line. Mm-hmm. And I because I knew yeah. what you looked like because we we're from the same hometown. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, but then people just gathered in the line, and it was, oh, how you doing? Where are you from? And um, that registration line at rally was the thing that kind of broke that fear. Um, just we always say that in line. nobody believes me. It's so nobody. true. It's so true. And you meet people from all over, and everybody's so nice. Everybody's, like, just super chill. It's, it's just not the kind of atmosphere where everybody's trying to, like, one-up each other. And um, it's so supportive. You know, everybody's just curious about what you do. And if you say, I've never recorded anything and I'm just interested and I'm learning guitar for the first time, I know two chords, <laughs> you'll still find people that are like, that's awesome. Like, you'll have people that want to help you. It's like, you don't have to be at a certain level um, to get there. In fact, I would argue that it's the opposite. Come when you're just learning, come when this is that's new. That's a great point. So many people have this misconception about taxi and the road rally that don't join taxi until you're at pretty close to a pro level and you've got a great big body of work. I say that's the opposite. It's the training ground and the school that will get you to the, that level mm-hmm. and, and give you the group of friends to do it with. Mm-hmm. And going yeah. back to your points of encouragement, is all of a sudden you've got, uh, I mean, it's kind of like going through AA or something, I imagine. I've never actually mm-hmm. done it, but, um, you know, it, it's that being part of a family, a group family mm-hmm. with those shared interests and, and goals yeah. and stuff. And you're right, you don't see a lot of people with, like, leather pants and metal studs at the rally. Mm-hmm. Um, there are those people. There are those people. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's you, you do you. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You can buy more leather pants with studs in the <laughs> gift shop for twelve ninety nine. Um, any more points of encouragement that we didn't um, get to yet? Yeah. Um, or how to stay encouraged? Well, one kind of feeds into that is just build your support network. Um, don't get isolated. The times that I've been really discouraged, I've been pretty isolated. Um, and, you know, there's the whole, well, I'm not in Nashville, I'm not in L.A. Um, but I was able to do that through Taxi and through, um, I just find the nearest music store, honestly. <laughs> sit in a music shop and meet somebody that comes in to play, you know, Smoke on the Water or whatever, and just start chatting and make friends. It's always the song they play, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Got it. So learn, like, a duet part and jam together. But no, just, like, find friends. I've stared at the bulletin boards at the music stores to see where the open mics are. Go to an open mic and just hang out, meet people. Um, don't be isolated. It's That's, that's the easiest way I think to get discouraged um, another thing is don't compare um, I th- maybe somebody would disagree with this um, I'm not speaking for all females just my experience but I feel like females are experts at comparing each other um, and, and it really doesn't serve anybody um, everybody's so unique your story is your story and your story alone and the world needs you so don't try and be somebody else. You're doing yourself and the world a disservice. Um, 
And then along with that, don't don't be jealous of others either. Like learn how to be sincerely happy and excited for other people, um, because that just opens up, you know, the creativity in your own mind. I think jealousy is a killer of creativity, because your brain just goes into this space that uh, things just don't don't happen. You know, um, it's really hard, really hard not to compare. Um, and admiring somebody, totally different. You know, wanting to emulate someone and, and, you know, that is awesome. I've got people that I'll follow on, you know, social media and it's like, I love what you're doing. It's so inspiring. Um, that is awesome. So big difference there. I see that at the rally, that there, there's so little competition and so much like mutually uplifting each other that it sounds corny and it sounds unbelievable. But mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're describing it. It's coming from your lips and not mine because nobody believes me. <laughs> Uh, Got anything else on the list? Sure. Um, excellence and perfection are different. That's a big thing that has helped me stay encouraged. Um, I think the light bulb went on for that concept at uh, Shirelli and Ron Harris's class. Mm -hmm. Rob um, Shirelli. Yes. Um, they were talking about, I don't even know, they were discussing like the tech aspects of um, recording and um, they played some sessions from like really well-known song, um, super well-known artist that I love, and they they played her isolated vocal. And then they played another one where they said, why don't we try it again and try and sing like more on pitch in this, this part right here. And there was a huge difference. The vibe was gone because she was focused on trying to hit the, the right note or get that phrasing right or whatever it was. And, and the one where she was just doing her thing that's the take that you hear on the radio. It's amazing. And even though it's not quote unquote perfect, that's what made it awesome and unique is the attitude behind it, the vibe behind it. And that, that encouraged me so much that if you're seeking perfection, you get stressed out. Um, it just, it kills that creativity. Um, but doing things with excellence, of course, is really important. So make sure that, you know, it's not so off pitch or the phrasing is so weird that it's not in the pocket. And um, so excellence, perfection, very different things. And, you know, kind of let yourself be you, you know, don't try and focus so much on it's got to be absolutely perfect. Just have fun with it. That's really important. Every too. engineer, the you know, the great lie is the checks in the mail. Uh, the other great lie is let's run one down for levels. And yeah. that was always my big <laughs> lie in the studio because yeah. I would absolutely record that first take. Mm -hmm. And I would say 90% of the time that warm up take, even though you're right, they would turn away, they might cough, they would be a little pitchy, but it <laughs> always had the vibe because mm -hmm. they weren't thinking about what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see, how are we doing on time? Uh, should we do some audience Q&A? Because, let's see, I think I'm trying to see if there's anything major that I've left out. Um, oh, we've covered a lot of ground. All right, yeah, let's do some audience <laughs> Q&A. Get, get a couple questions ready. I'll ask one more. Um, before we, we get your questions. And Bria, do you have a pen and pencil ready to go to write some down? Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, 
a lot of people have the misconception, and you're the perfect person to ask this of because you grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, population 16,000. Um, and most recently, uh, you and Jake and your daughter, Elena or Alana? How do you Elena. Pronounce? Elena. You guys lived in Indiana. Um, not exactly the music capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And I've always said to people, look, uh, until you have something light up in Nashville, don't move there. And frankly, as far as LA and New York go, you don't need to be in a music center to accomplish your goals anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point when you, you've already started hitting home runs, maybe you would have reason to go to a music center, but now you're living in one again. You're back here mm-hmm. in Southern California, and I'm guessing it really doesn't make that much of a difference that you're your progression is what it would have been if you'd stayed in Indiana or Illinois or North Dakota or Montana, wherever you used to live that I'm envious of. Um, (laughs) So now you've been out here since March, I think? March, yeah. Okay, so March, Mm -hmm. April, May, June, July. So you've been out here for four months. How many times have you gone and collaborated with somebody else who's in the music business since you've been here? Zero? Zero, yeah. I mean, so, I've, I've gone to a couple of studios and learned some tech stuff, but yeah. I haven't collaborated yet with anybody in person. I, so. I really think that that uh, paradigm is largely gone. And I just mm-hmm. I don't know what made me think of that today when I knew that you guys were en route, but uh, mm-hmm. that's cool to know. Um, got a question? Uh, well, actually, everyone really wants, I do, but uh, want everyone more music? wants to hear more music. Let's play more music then. <laughs> because I love making my audience happy. I live for you guys. So what would you I sounded like Bill Clinton when I said that. <laughs> oh, God. That's the first time in my life. If I tried to sound like Bill Clinton, I couldn't do it. Sorry. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. Um, do we want a song or an instrumental? Whatever turns you on. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I'm distracted now with comments. Yes, Steve. <laughs> um, let's, do, let's do a song for something different, um, which is... Don't forget, yeah. Isn't it all a game? Isn't it all a dream? Isn't it all illusion? No matter how real it seems, isn't there just one frame? can be on the screen Isn't it all just scenery Once we know we can change the scene When it makes you wonder When it gets you confused When it takes you Isn't it all a 
and her yeah. son Ethan. That was a collaboration that was super fun. That was our first song together. And um, those guys are the best. Um, yeah. By the way, Marcus, I know I owe you about four emails. I have been, <laughs> seriously, since the beginning of this year, let's just say I came back from vacation. I, would, I limited myself last week to one hour a day on vacation of deleting emails that I knew that I would never read or didn't want to read. And I came back and had 1,179 emails from people that I did want to respond to. And you were in there at least twice, and I know that there's some older ones, so please forgive me. Um, wow, seriously, uh, your voice, uh, you, you were, uh, you know, your voice is like a gift from God kind of voice. I mean, that <laughs> literally just gorgeous. Thank you. Um, so the lyrics um, were actually Sherry. She sent me some lyrics and um, that was a super fun. Somebody a while ago asked what my favorite way to collaborate is. Um, that's, that's one of my favorite ways is somebody just sending lyrics and then I get to have fun with chords and melody. Um, so I kind of came up with the, the music part and I sent Sherry the guitar part and the vocal and, um, and then uh, I don't know, I don't remember, guys, if it was Marcus or Ethan that added the, um, the strings. Um, but, yeah, it was super fun. I love when I just get, like, lyrics and then I get to have fun with the, with the music. <laughs> that was an awesome song, awesome collaboration. I've got to ask Thanks. you, did you use the Gage ECM-87 on the I vocal? I did, on the vocal and the guitars. Wow. So, yeah, same mic. And it was because of... Uh, connections at Taxi that it got signed right away. So um, thank you, Beth, at Imaginary Friends. She gave me permission to mention her and um, for signing that for us. So. Um, any questions from the audience? Uh, yeah, so um, Arnold Marfoglia, I think if that's right, asks, what was the acoustic guitar in the recording? Like what? Oh, which guitar? What type of guitar? What kind which of brand? guitar? Uh, a Taylor I, 400 series. I already knew the answer to that. So, yeah, it's my baby. Okay, and then uh, Mary and Laird, another uh, guitar question. What is your favorite brand and tension of acoustic guitar strings? Ooh, I get to geek out now. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sherry, by the way, for answering that. She said Ethan and I did the arrangement, and Marcus mixed and mastered. So... Um, 
question. Oh, strings. Um, so probably everyone will disagree with me or think I'm crazy, but with tailors, um, a lot of people use elixirs. Um, I use a lot of alternate tunings. Um, thank you, Joni Mitchell, because that's how I learned playing. But um, So I'm constantly retuning, tuning, and I was just breaking the elixirs like crazy. So I took them into a guitar, my guitar into a shop and thought maybe it's my guitar, the intonation, something like that. Uh, and they said, no, everything's fine. Try a different kind of string. So I use, um, oh, what are the strings called? I lost it. The Darius? Um, no. It's a really, Jake, do you remember what strings I use? You use DRs. That's right, DRs. He's mm. had to pick them up for me at the store, so he knows. Um, so, yeah, I use DRs, which are really inexpensive. And um, on my 400 series Taylor, I use a medium gauge string. Um, Taylors are really bright sounding, um, which is funny that I love my Taylor because I usually like a warmer tone. Um, so I'll, I'll use the medium gauge. I, I, maybe it's all in my head, but I feel like it settles it down a little bit using that medium gauge. <laughs> and uh, and then I'll EQ a little bit just to bring that brightness down. But yeah, I use cheap guitar strings because I break them. <laughs> I, I like the fact that you pointed out the medium gauge thing because that was something I used to run into you know, however long ago it was that I was still working in the studio was guys would come in uh, with super thin strings and they sounded really pretty in the room but when you put them on a microphone they sounded too thin hmm. and I actually developed a preference for like a medium gauge pick on a medium gauge string because it just sounded better to me awesome right. so it's yeah. not all in my head no not at all I, I completely <laughs> agree with you on that cool um, another question yeah sure how many hours per week are you in the studio about? Oh man, I've never even tried to. So my typical schedule, um, pre-moving and just life being weird in the last few months, um, is I'm with my daughter all day and all evening too. Um, so I'll get get her to, to sleep around 8, 8.30, and then I clean up the kitchen from dinner, and then I go straight to the studio until I can't stay awake anymore. <laughs> so I usually work from, I don't know, 9 o'clock-ish until midnight, 1 o'clock, um, later if I'm like really feeling something. Um, and I've worked like that for the last few years now. Um, it'll change now with a little one in school. It's funny, I'm going to be so sad and missing her, and at the same time, I'm like, I get to work during the day when I'm not exhausted. <laughs> but um, that's usually when I work, is late at night. And then uh, sometimes Jake, when he's not at work, he'll do like a special outing with her if I really have to record something with a deadline. Um, and we'll have just family help us out with that. But it's really just whenever I can sneak in and work um, different times of the day, and I've become pretty good at multitasking too um, so you know I'll be taking a walk and get an idea and just sing into my phone and um, just come up with ideas constantly even while there's other stuff going on and then have a more focused time where I'm sitting down in the studio later so I, I've never looked at how many hours a week but that's kind of my typical schedule if you had to guesstimate like 10 15 hours a week yeah yeah probably I know exactly 
where they live like, like exactly <laughs> uh, and it's this gorgeous property um, and uh, Jake next time you need to take Elena on a daddy-daughter thing take her snipe hunting on the hill back there <laughs> late at night <laughs> because coyotes love you <laughs> we know snipe hunting very well is that a Midwest thing it is I okay. think uh, I love that property it's, it's just dropped yeah. in gorgeous over there I'm so you know I, I own a Several drones, actually, um, but mm. one in particular, like like to fly out in the mountains every now and then. I'm gonna have to fly oh, over come you guys. On over. I, I'll just send it over from my house. I could <laughs> almost get it there. Um, so yeah, if you if you see a small white drone hovering over your house, <laughs> it's me. Um, I would never do that to anybody. A little creepy. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Shirelli lives four houses away from me. He said, if I ever see that thing over my house, I'm taking it down. Uh, another question. Fleischer asks, do you do the final mix and mastering on your pieces, or do you work with an engineer? Um, that's a great question. On my instrumental stuff with just acoustic guitar, it's just me, so I do the mixing and um, I guess you'd say mastering. Um, when I think mastering, I think like records mastering, where that's a whole nother right. thing. But, but yeah, at things that I've gotten signed that are placed, it's just me. Um, mixing and then a lot of the collaborations I've done where the the arrangements are more like there's a full band or other instrumentation added is usually somebody else that's doing the final mix so yeah um, we've got time for one more question I believe cool. Dean Crepain asks do you have to mess with EQ much to balance out your high voice and low register or are you naturally EQ'd hmm. that's a good question um, I usually have to bring up like the high uh, frequency a bit, but um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't mess with it a lot. Sorry, I've got a very, very. <laughs> so I get for drinking rock star. Oh, I've got. To, I've got to tell you guys something I'm very quickly. Um, so last week we were on vacation and I went fishing, which is my passion. Saltwater fishing, usually shallow water, like flats fishing, that sort of stuff. And I caught a tarpon, a baby tarpon that was about three, three and a half feet long. And when the guide that I was out with, we're out in like a little 16 foot boat. He, um, I grabbed it at the edge of the boat and he was getting ready to take the hook out. He saw another hook down in the throat of the tarpon and about three or four feet of fishing line balled up in there that a previous fisherman. Unfortunately, the fish probably broke the line and that was that. So the guide, being the great guy that he is, wanted to save the fish's life and get this hook out. So I'm holding the fish over the side of the boat. It's got a mouth about this big. And the fish, well, I'm not going to imitate the fish mouth right now, but I saved that for my family. Uh, and, and he's struggling to get the, the hook out, and the fish started bleeding all over. Seriously, it looked like Charles Manson had gone fishing with us. And all of a sudden, the guide yells, Mike, he's Mexican, but doesn't speak a lot of English. He's yelling, Mike, Mike. He kept calling me Mikey, actually. Mikey, Mikey, grab a Coke, grab a Coke. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I said, Mauricio, now is not the time to drink soft drinks. And he goes, no, grab a Coke. I grab a Coke. He pops the top and pours it down the throat, like a half a can of Coke, down the throat of this tarpon. And I'm like, I have never seen anything like that in my life. He goes, stops the bleeding. And it did. 
So huh. just so you know, he told me later that Coca-Cola is a great astringent and stops bleeding. So <laughs> if you're ever, God forbid, in an accident situation and <laughs> somebody is bleeding out, pour a little Coke on them, solves the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you get all kinds of advice on this show. It's, it's just, true. You, you know, know. I, sh I should do a fishing show. <laughs> um, any final thoughts uh, <laughs> and about anything as it relates to your fellow members, to the, the journey of making music, mm -hmm. any of this stuff? Um, well, we, I don't, did we touch on the whole like, female, why females don't go into... Um, <laughs> probably not as much <laughs> as, as we <laughs> should. Well, the, yeah, um, the film and TV aspect, uh, we did touch on earlier mm -hmm. in the show, but um, go ahead. If you've got more <laughs> that you want to say about that, please do. Yeah, well, I was just thinking about that recently, um, talking with um, Anna. She had some great thoughts about it, too, and we both agreed um, that it's just one of those things that I think um, a lot of females just don't see the example of other females doing it so it's it's not so much that anybody's keeping females out nothing like that it's just um, it's just not a part of the paradigm of thinking um, we both were just kind of talking about that um, and I think that it's changing and um, you know there there are some like did you hear about the the composer I who's, did um, female composer that's scoring the new uh, Marvel movie and stuff like that so I think it's getting better I'm really 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 encouraged um, I don't think that it's like this terrible thing that um, you know is never going to change I think it's it's just like out of sight out of mind kind of thing and um, so I, I just think that more and more I think females are feeling empowered and like oh I, I can produce my own stuff like why couldn't I um, and like the the men that have um, just taught me different things I've been like it's no big deal that I'm a female I'm just a person you right. know? So it, it's, it shouldn't be yeah. yeah it freaks me out that that would could ever be an issue mm -hmm. so yeah I'm I'm actually really encouraged because I just see more and more females producing their own stuff and um, and it's it's one of those things like we talked about earlier to not compare and be um, be inspired by fellow females who are doing this and contact them and let them be part of your network and encourage you and you know we're, we're all in this together and it's not just females but since we we did touch on that subject I just wanted to mention that to um, just champion you, each other when you were on the panel at the road rally um, I, I remember we had Patty Boss CK Barlow you and uh, Elizabeth Mall. Yeah. Uh, and you were all wonderful on that panel. And the thing that really inspired it for me was the literally hundreds of times in my career where I've said to somebody, send me a copy of that. They go, well, I've got to wait for my husband to get home and remix it. And that always bothered me. I've got four daughters. And I, I would not want my daughters to have to depend on a man for anything other than maybe lifting a 250-pound object over their head <laughs> because there mm -hmm. should be no difference. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that you reminded me to get back to that before we ended today's show. And I want to remind you guys to not forget, um, what am I forgetting? Don't forget about the giveaway. Oh, yeah. don't forget about the giveaway. And I just realized one of my studio lights is not on either. So yes, <laughs> thank God for Bria. Um, 
we're giving away a slightly unboxed um, MV51 from Shure. And here's how it's going to work. Is those of you in the chat room are going to type in a plus one, and Bria's going to shut her eyes and move her finger up and down the chat, and she's going to bink on one of them, and whoever um, gets that will get this microphone, unless, of course, you live in Europe, because the thing weighs about 10 pounds. I'm joking. Even if you live in Europe, I will pop to send it to you. <laughs> so start right now. We could play the theme song. <laughs> Wow. Big audience today. Yeah. All right, as they come in a little more. There we go. I see Alex in there. She's amazing. I follow her on Instagram, and she's a really awesome composer. What's her last name? Do you know? Um, Alex Marie Zabrinkley. But I love your stuff. It's more on the EDM side. All right, um, Anne House. Anne House. Wow, Yay! I know Anne House. Congratulations, Anne. There you go. You got yourself an awesome microphone, an MV51 from the fine folks at Shure. Um, we will get this out to you to leave here in the next day or so, and you should get it within a week. Um, also want to mention that this year, along these lines, um, I haven't reached out to um, this person's manager yet, but I know the manager very well, and I, there's a female composer who um, I've been very impressed with over the decade or so that I've been following her, and she's local here in LA, and I'm trying to get her mm -hmm. to come and do a thing, not on being a female composer, but on being a composer that's rising through the ranks, because a lot of people have the dream of being the next John Williams. I'm gonna you know, score a big blockbuster, and personally, I've met some people over the years that are incredibly talented, that could probably do a major motion picture, they are that good, mm -hmm. But there is a process you need to go through. And you absolutely, like everything else, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you need to work your way up the ladder until the day where Steven Spielberg or somebody says, my stomach is so noisy today. It sounds like I'm delivering a baby down there. <laughs> anyway, you have to get to the point where it's not just about creating great music or capturing the emotion of the film, but that you can conduct an orchestra, you can deal with the copyists, you can deal with the mm -hmm. politics of it all, mm -hmm. and the producers of the film feel confident that your name adds little gravitas. So there's a woman who I admire. She doesn't even know that I admire her, but she will recognize my face because we've met several times over the years. Um, I'm going to try and get her to the rally. So awesome. for the ladies, and with that, I want to grab the band, bring them back over. <laughs> there they are now, and thank you very much for doing this show. It was awesome having you here. We will see you guys next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. And don't forget, this coming Wednesday, July 11th at 7 p.m. Pacific time, we're doing the um, Taxi Member Artist Showcase thing. Bye, you guys.